Hello and welcome to the Hindu Business Line podcast. My name is Mohammad Rayan. In the last couple of weeks, you would have come across on social media ChatGPT, an artificial intelligence chatbot developed by OpenAI. This organization was started in 2015 by Sam Altman, Elon Musk, along with a few other entrepreneurs. ChatGPT has stunned internet users thanks to its ability to create content all by itself. All you have to do is just explain the kind of content you want, be it text to image generator, be it an essay or even music. The rest is done by the AI tool. Students have been super delighted by this. But what happens if they use tools like ChatGPT, Copy AI, Jasper, etc to complete their assignments? Should teachers be worried? Should this be banned? To understand the academic impact of AI, Business Line spoke to Keshav Kambana, an AI expert and a professor with 7 years of experience. So my name is Kumpella and I am the CEO of an AI industry analyst firm called RPA to AI Research. I'm also a visiting professor of AI at different institutes and B schools across the world. So I think it would be better if we start off by just an explainer for someone a layman. If you could explain them how generative AI works, how will you tell them? Okay. So all of you I'm sure have heard of this thing called ChatGPT. So to understand chat gpt let's look at both the chat and the gpt parts let's first take gpt gpt stands for generative pre-trained transformer the first word generative indicates that it generates some content could be text it could be images it could be video it could be even code so it's simply when you give it a piece of text as a prompt it generates content that continues the prompt so pre-trained means it's an ai model that has been trained on a massive amount of text so to take the example of gpt3 which on which chat gpt is based that has been trained on about 500 billion words so this is a huge corpus of text <laughs> so it's seen a lot of content next uh, transformer so transformer simply refers to a neural network architecture that google introduced in 2017 almost 5 years ago So this type of neural network architecture is very well suited for language understanding. So when we talk about GPT-3, now that you have a sense of these three letters, it is a very large language model. So think of it as like a deep learning tool that produces human-like text. So for example, when GPT-3 first came out two two and a half years ago, I wrote an article for Business Line on why managers should learn AI completely generated by GPT-3. So now chat gpt3 is based on a newer version of gpt3 called gpt3.5 and it is optimized for conversations or dialogue so to put all of this in perspective think of it as a, a large ai model or a large language ai model that responds to user requests in language that sounds very surprisingly human see once you play around with chat gpt a bit you'll find it hard to believe but all it is doing it is predicting the next word in a sentence based on this massive amounts of text data that it has already analyzed text here it can mean a lot of things it can mean essays letters poems dialogues stories and even software code mm-hmm. so it's very versatile as an ai assistant so when you say that the system goes through billions of data sets that has already been fed with can you talk about the tech side of what are the things that goes behind like how does it analyzes and how does it know that okay this is the word that should come in the next text or something like that when it generates the output you see there is an excellent paper for the technically minded called stochastic parrots it really 
explains uh, what all is going on behind the scene of uh, models like GPT-3. In, in a short amount of time, it is uh, difficult to go into these things, but it is creating a set of probabilities based on the sequence of uh, things. Like if I ask you, how do you, how are you? Mm. Most likely you're going to say, I'm fine. So the probability of the sequence, I am fine, mm. is very high. It, it's simple. It, it, like when you're doing auto-suggest, auto-complete of text or things like it's the same technology, but it is the same technology on uh, steroids. So there are a whole bunch of technical concepts involved here, which is the transformer architectures for neural, for doing this training. There is also, in the case of chat GPT, some reinforcement learning with the human assistance that has been done to sort of create this really good conversational experience. So it's both uh, reinforcement learning as well as a lot of training and testing by human users. But it is just like a parroting text that it has seen somewhere else or it is likely to be based on the previous sequence of words. Awesome. So in your experience and probably your prediction of how AI generative tools is going to change academia, can you give like a whole picture about that? But before we get into it, uh, see, let me point out that tools like ChatGPT, they work very well only in English. Natural language processing, AI research is actively happening in only about 10 to 15 of the world's languages. So all this context is like for English medium students, mm -hmm. mostly. And if you think about in India, only about a quarter, roughly about 25% of the high school students are enrolled in English medium schools. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about that 25% for a small segment of the people for which this is going to be immediately relevant. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of like the math calculator movement for, for the homework. Mm -hmm. So research papers answers to homeworks, questions in different subjects, not just in English, maths, physics, chemistry, essay assignments, or all just a few quick clicks away now. It's going to have an impact in terms of the assignments and the homework mm -hmm. that teachers give, say, essay assignments. They're meant to demonstrate the student's ability to reason, their critical thinking abilities, and how are they able to perform research and organize materials. So now you have this AI assistants, which do all of that stuff for you. Yeah. And now you'll have to find other ways to assess these uh, specific skills. Maybe a simple non-tech way is to just ask students to write essays in school, <laughs> in the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> <Correct>. Right? <laughs> so that, that's, that, that's where we are at. And it's going to be very interesting to see how the school system responds. Mm. Because in general, certain schools may be forward-looking and progressive, but the school system itself, it takes a lot of time to adjust and reorient and introduce all of these new innovations uh, that are happening. Mm. So do you think even teachers, they need to transform how they teach, like other than just saying, okay, write an essay about independence, something like that. Should they also need to become more creative so that students, you know, just use the question directly and feed it in an AI tool and generate the essay the next day? So is that also how that's going to change or what can a teacher do now that AI tools are everywhere? No, actually, I think uh, this is not like a theoretical question because I just heard one of my collaborators today. So his son goes to school in San Diego in California. So I think he's in the seventh or the eighth grade. So their class actually discussed chat GPT. The teacher brought it up in class and they used it to generate a few essays and what the students thought about it, etc. See, essentially, see the easy thing is to say, okay, we're going to ban it. We're going to restrict people, students from using it. But I think the better way would be you don't want to ban it but you somehow figure out a way to integrate it into the learning part of it and the assessment part of it. But there are a lot of issues with the tool because it's still very early days for the technology. So both the 
teachers and the students, they need to understand the strengths and limitations of these uh, tools. So that is uh, very important. What are these, what is the nature of these tools? What can they do and what cannot they do? And more importantly, what you should not do with them. There is even talk among the educator community. So we recently did a study on AI ethics in high schools, both in the US and India. So it's included into some of those communities. There is already some talk in these communities about maybe the students can pick a, the school can probably ask the students to pick one or two tools, such tools, and ask them to generate essays using that tool. So the the version of the essay that is generated by AI is also submitted along with the assignment. And the assignment then becomes critique that essay that AI has generated. How do you improve upon it? Mm. So use that as a starting point and improve upon that. So that that is probably the way. But But still, these are very early days. And by the time this is incorporated into the educational policies of the states or the government, it's going to be some time. <laughs> but, but I think beyond the schools and teachers, I think I really hope mm-hmm. that we get such AI assistance, not just in English language, but in different languages of the world. Do you think when students, let's assume a situation where students fully start using AI for their assignments and stuff, will that act as a deterrent for them to actually creatively produce content themselves or maybe make them just like good AI users in general? <laughs> so this is interesting because our tools shape us and we shape our tools. Probably I used to remember a lot of phone numbers of my yeah. friends and family before, <laughs> but no, I never remember that. So, see, it is going to have an impact, but it's tough to predict what, what's the kind of... So, there is learning, there is assessment, and there is the whole goal of this probably is to application of that learning. So, the system should get creative about... That. So, because a lot of the students are going to take the easy way out. Correct. Because if there is an option in front of you, mm. you sort of want to get it done in the least amount of effort possible. And to be able, for the teachers also, to be able to keep track of what is going on. Have the students really done the work, etc. It's going to get tougher. But at the same time, the flip side to this is uh, as educators, we should also be teaching our students about the new tools that they have and how best to use them. So so that is uh, so there is a book, I think, uh, by Nicholas Carr called Shallows, which goes to the root of the, the thing that you asked about. Are all the digital technology and tools making us dumber? Right. Because we are reliant on our important tools. So that's one side of the argument. The other side of the argument is... Uh, we are using these tools and are able to do much better things, more things, greater things at a different scale than possible. So, so these are like, I mean, deep issues, which are, yeah. <laughs> there are pros and cons of both sides. I was reading an article about how even, you know, generated AI, especially the ones that generate text to images or else the one that augments photos with more artistic way. So I read that a lot of it take our photos and keep the data and there's like a possibility of data risks. Do you think even from a content generated AI perspective, it can still access our data or how does that work? So any data that's publicly available has been included or can potentially be included in the, the training of the large language models. Like I said, 500 billion words, a lot of it is like public internet data. Mm-hmm. So that's an emerging area. It's an emerging area in the sense like what, what, what happens, the issue of copyrights. Mm-hmm. Do I have, as an artist, if my images are being included in these training data sets, can I ask for them not to be included? Mm-hmm. Do I need to be remunerated if my data is being used. So that's one side of the argument. 
it, it can happen with what do we say text models as well text mm-hmm. to text models as well the flip side to that argument is uh, all these tools are sort of uh, are on the innovation frontier so it should be allowed and there is actually a court case going on in the us in the context of a text to software code generation some of these tools have been generated or trained on source code that is based on github repositories and some of that is open source code so when you use open source code it needs to be attributed right. but when the code is generated there is no attribution so there is a violation of that so it's a little yeah. bit ironic to think that open source mm. which started off as a movement against copyright is now coming in saying like ai is not respecting wow. our copyright so these are interesting questions that are raising wow so interesting to see how it shakes out since now that i think generative ai is the next big thing so many my last question is what would you suggest maybe to a student or a teacher to anyone who uses it what kind of advice would you tell them like how to use it in a good way this is an interesting question i see a lot of discussion around ai ethics so for example here are a few propositions going forward using ai tools for work is expected right using ai tools to be productive is expected of a, a student or a professional yeah. so how effectively to use ai in your work is an important skill for different professions because like like you said it's not just text but there, there is text to image text to code text to video text to speech text to a lot of things yeah. so now at the same time when we think of ethics in this context so what can happen you can try to pass off others work as yours you don't attribute or you don't cite references and so forth so whether you use an ai tool for it or not it is unethical as is mm-hmm. now these tools may make it a little easier to do it so so now another way these can be misused is like they you can use this to spread misinformation you generate a lot of convincing sounding text and then or you can generate a politically incorrect or potentially offensive text and spread mm-hmm. that so that is unethical again you do it you write it and spread misinformation manually or use a automated tool to do it the ethics are same here the means of production are a little easier and you can do it at scale so the ethical questions have remained the same as before so it's more that that is something to keep in mind but for students i would advise that in the excitement of generating or in the excitement of sharing what has been generated see if it can cause offense to some folks as i would any post you would publicly make so also open ai which is the company behind chat gpt3 they themselves have yesterday said that uh, don't use this as a tool when you require <laughs> facts that are accurate wow. this very early days so so that is this is sam altman and greg brockman have tweeted about it yesterday so mm-hmm. don't use it so uncritical reliance on ai tools mm-hmm. will get you in trouble Mm-hmm. I mean, in addition to the ethical part of it, don't uncritically rely on these uh, AI tools. So, so far, I mean, the content. Think of ChatGPT as like a, a super confident consultant. Mm-hmm. Okay, they supremely confidently tell you the answers to every question you pose them, even though they are not sure whether they know it or not. Or <laughs> so, so it, it's like that. So, handle with a little bit of care. But th- there is this notion that is becoming popular called sandwich workflow. Sandwich workflow. The idea is, say you have an idea. Mm-hmm. So you you are at the beginning stage of a project. You have an idea. Then you can use an AI tool to make it better, organize the information, generate a lot more ideas, structure it, do all of that stuff, brainstorm using AI as an assistant. Say ChatGPT is an assistant, and then obviously do critical analysis of that. Then the human provides the finishing touches on top of that. So human initiates. There is like an AI augmented or AI assisted. Then again, you sandwich it with 
humans on top of it. So that that's, uh, I think, something all of us should become comfortable with. In, in the context of education itself, mm-hmm. I was thinking, we, we said the schools teach you the three R's, mm-hmm. which is reading, writing, and arithmetic. Now maybe there is a fourth R, artificial intelligence. <laughs> How to effectively use AI in your work or in your learning journey is an important skill for different profession. Thanks for listening to the Hindu Business Line podcast. This is your host, Mohammed Dayan. Do consider supporting our journalism. 